Today, we continue our four-week journey through the Gospel of John, looking at four well-known encounters with Jesus. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man blind from birth. And as we will see, uh, this story dramatizes the prologue or or the preamble to the Gospel of John. It dramatizes it. Uh, I'm going to read a portion from the prologue, and, and I want you to notice the various themes. Light and darkness, sending and bearing witness, receiving and rejecting themes of new birth. Okay? This is from the prologue. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born of God. Again, within these verses, we have themes of light and darkness, sending and bearing witness, receiving and rejecting, and new birth. And all of these themes we can find in John chapter 9. Let's begin with verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So notice, right, right off the bat, chapter 9 is predicated upon a discussion of birth. What were the circumstances of this man's birth? But as we learned back in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus, the circumstances of our earthly birth have little to do with our birth from above. In the kingdom of God, it's less a matter of our first birth and more a matter of our new birth. So Jesus says, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus, why was this man born blind? Did he do something wrong or did his parents do something wrong? And Jesus says, that's a false dichotomy. This man was born blind that the works of God might be displayed in him. Uh, we, we have a, a lot of ground to cover today, 41 verses. But I don't, I don't want us to miss this. What Jesus says here is, is incredibly profound. Really, if, if we have ears to hear what Jesus says right here, Jesus, what he says is life-changing. This man was born blind that the works of God might be displayed in him. The principle here is that everything we endure, everything we suffer, is ultimately intended to put the works of God on display. Everything. As we mature in Christ, I think we learn to stop asking, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? And instead we learn to ask, what is God doing here? What is God trying to teach me? 
What does God desire to display to the world through me and through this situation? Instead of looking backward to the cause of our suffering, like the disciples do in verse 2, we look forward to the revealing of God's glory through our suffering, like Jesus in verse 3. Everything we endure and everything we suffer is ultimately intended to put the works of God on display. It's just a question of how he's going to do that. Verse 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Jesus spits on the ground and he makes mud. And then with the mud, he anoints the man's eyes and he sends the man to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, the pool of sending. Now, the the mud here is, I think, an allusion back to the creation of Adam. In Genesis chapter 2, God made Adam out of mud. And so the implication is that the blind man is a new creation. He was born blind, but he is born again with sight. He was born in the darkness, but he is born again into the light. But what's the deal with the the pool of Siloam? John goes out of his way to translate that word and even to interpret that word for us. Pool of Siloam, pool of sending. Verse 7 is is screaming to us, this man is being sent. Jesus is sending this man. We don't yet know where he is being sent or for what purpose, but it's worth noticing at, at this point that Jesus disappears from the narrative. He completely disappears. He'll return again at the end of the chapter, but For now, to to be completely honest, it's as if this man has been abandoned by Jesus to fend for himself before the Pharisees. So, from from this point on, I want you to imagine a courtroom scene. All right? The, The once blind man is summoned to testify before a ruling council. They interrogate the man, and he begins to bear witness concerning Jesus. He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. But the ruling council doesn't believe him, and so they call in expert witnesses. They summon the man's parents. Verse 20. His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. So, this man's parents confirm that their son had indeed been born blind, but because they feared the ruling council, that was as far as they were willing to go. And they actually distanced themselves from their son. And so now, not only does it seem as if this man has been abandoned by Jesus, he has actually been abandoned by his family. 
And so the ruling council questions him again. But it's interesting. This time it's as if the man has matured in his faith. He has grown increasingly confident. In verse 17, he, he simply says, Jesus is a prophet. But now the, the light of that testimony is fuller and brighter. He is bold before the council, even to the point of being sarcastic with them. Verse 24. For the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. That's a, that's a Hebrew idiom, meaning essentially tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner, referring to Jesus. The man answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. And that's true, by the way, if you read through the Old Testament. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. And so this man reveals that he clearly understands the dilemma facing the ruling council. If Jesus is a sinner, then he should not be able to perform miracles. But if Jesus is a proven miracle worker, then the council must conclude that he is from God. But the ruling council doesn't take too kindly to being cornered, and so they cast him out of the synagogue. They excommunicate the man. They would rather live in darkness than submit to the light. They would rather be blind than change the way they see the world, or the way they read the Bible, or the way they practice their faith. They would rather hang out with Moses in the wilderness then follow Jesus into the land of promise. They would rather murder the Messiah than relinquish their spiritual authority. And so the man born blind turns out to be a bold witness. He doesn't know very much. There's a lot that he doesn't know. He doesn't have all the answers, and yet he he stands before this this council of highly trained Bible experts, and they bully him, and they threaten to excommunicate him. But he stands his ground. And then it's, it's at that point, with the man having been cast out, with the man having been excommunicated, that Jesus re-enters the story. Verse 35. 
Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And then what Jesus says next is John chapter 9 in a nutshell. For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. That those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. For the man born blind, things get brighter and brighter and brighter throughout this chapter. He grows and he matures and the light overcomes the darkness. But for the skeptical ruling council, things get darker and darker and darker. They descend into blindness. They go out of their way to avoid reckoning with the truth that Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus actually is the Messiah they've been waiting for. Jesus is the light of the world. But the ruling council would rather be blind. Now, I I think there's a lingering question here, at at least for me. And I think it's an important one for us to, to consider. For 27 verses... Jesus is absent. 27 verses. Where has he gone? And why? Why does he leave this man to face the council alone? Why would the shepherd leave his sheep to the wolves? Really, Jesus re-enters the story at precisely the wrong moment. It's too late. The man has already been condemned. He's already been cast out. But if you think about it, John chapter 9 is the story of every disciple of Christ, including you and me. The church is called to be faithful to Jesus, to bear witness to the healing power of Jesus, to persevere through trial, despite the physical absence of Jesus, right? He's not physically present with us right now, and yet we are called to persevere through trial. For thousands of years now, Christians have been chastised by neighbors. Christians have been dragged into court. Christians have been abandoned by their families. Christians have been cast out of their communities. But Christians have endured these things and persevered through these things, anchored in the steadfast hope and expectation that a reunion with Jesus is just around the corner. You see, John chapter 9 is about blindness and the opposite of blindness. But surprisingly, the opposite of blindness is not actually sight. The opposite of blindness is being sent. We learn to see as we are sent. The truth about Jesus becomes more and more clear as we go. 
we grow and we mature and we bear witness and we stay faithful through trial. If you have been baptized, then you have washed in the pool of Siloam, the pool of sending. You have new eyes. You are a new creation. You are born from above. You are no longer in the dark and you are called to bear witness about the light. And there will definitely be seasons in which Jesus feels absent. He seems absent. But he has promised to be present always, even when he feels absent. The man born blind was willing to stand with Jesus, even if it meant being all alone. He was willing to cling to Jesus, even if it meant losing his status. He was willing to bear witness to Jesus, even when Jesus seemed absent. And by the end of the story, this man comes face to face with Jesus. He comes to know Jesus personally and experientially. His knowledge of Jesus Grows. It has grown through the crucible of suffering. He has become a true knower of God, a true theologian, a knower of God in, in the truest sense. He has not had catechisms, he's not participated in Bible studies, he hasn't gone to seminary, but he's a true theologian. Just faithfulness through trial. And so remember, through your suffering and through your trial, you are being matured in the same way as the formerly blind man in John chapter 9. In the words of Samuel Rutherford, when cast into the cellars of affliction, remember, the great king keeps his wine. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we, we want your works to be displayed in us and through us. And so we ask that you would give us, uh, give us your perspective on the things that we suffer. Jesus, you have, you have healed us, anointed us, washed us, sent us, Please be with us and and help us to trust you even when it feels like you aren't. Holy Spirit, make us bold and faith-filled witnesses to the light, to the light of the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.